Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday, the show with your spicy takes and now spicy dialogue. <laughs> and joining me again, it's been a while, uh, but it's it's great to have him back. Mr. Kieran Oaks, good to see you, Kieran. How's it going? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. It's nice to be back on this format. It was the first one um, we experienced together. On that lovely first week where nothing went wrong and everything was really positive. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, this feels like home. It feels like returning to your own bed after a week of holiday. Um, so it's nice to be here and I look forward to dissecting the public's takes. Oh yeah, like so, like you know, we never we're gonna, we never disagree with anything on this show. It's, it's going to be nice, nope. uh, hand, you know, hands being held, ice creams, long walks down the beach. It's going to be delightful. And then some beautiful kissing. Of, of course, absolutely. <laughs> Virtually, of course. Virtually, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the point of the show is you sent us in your hot takes over the course of the last week, and we will evaluate them on a scale of one to five, one being that we seriously disagree, five being that we seriously agree. And if we both think a take is a one or a five, then they will go into our special cauldron of the hottest and coldest takes of the year, which we will which we'll address at the end of the season um, in the December. So look forward to that. My advice, try not to get in that box if you can. Um, But should we crack into some hot takes, Kieran? I think we should absolutely do that because that's literally why we're here. So let's go for it. Let's go for it. Right. Take number one. And apologies in advance for any names I may or may not butcher over the course of this pod. Um, I'm bad with names, as you may have been able to tell by now. Right. First up, we have Nelreen Byers on Twitter, who says, quote, Aston Martin will replace Lance Stroll with Sir Lewis Hamilton for 2024. Um, Our esteemed social media admin, Hannah, I suspect here, has gone straight for the jugular here. It's almost like she knew you were coming back here and picked out a a Lance Stroll take top of the pile for us. Yeah, and I I do appreciate it. I do. So one more time, Aston Martin will replace Lance Stroll with Sir LH for 2024. I mean, you're probably riding on a high right now, Kieran, after Bahrain. That was a pretty good redemptive comeback from uh, your Canadian bestie. Yeah, I mean, it's I've not had a chance to talk about this since, which is maybe maybe that's been purposeful. Maybe they've been trying to keep <laughs> me away. Um, Who is yours, my friend? Well, I, I think he's proved a lot of people wrong in a lot of respects. And the extent of that maybe is quite not as high as I think it is because I made a voiceover a couple of days later, which was basically implying he is now a god amongst men, Um, which maybe was slightly too far. (laughs) But yeah, I think he's proven that he has a lot of drive and determination and talent. And, you know, he was off the pace uh, with Fernando. We expected that, you know, that's fine. But with all of the mitigating circumstances around his injury and his recovery, you know, absolutely fair play. And it's really nice to see... I think it's always nice to see someone who never gets credit get credit, whoever that yeah. may be. Yeah. Um, onto the take, I'm going to separate this into two halves, if if you will allow me. Sure. Firstly, Lewis Hamilton going to Aston Martin. So, look, Lewis Hamilton clearly is not happy at Mercedes at the moment. I think he's maybe dulling that down for everyone um, based on the fact that he's got a tremendous loyalty to the team. He cares about the team, cares about the people who work there, the mechanics, the engineers. So he never wants to throw the team under the bus. But we know this isn't a happy Lewis Hamilton. We can tell that. And Mercedes, we, I mean, 
me definitely more than you because I predicted a lot of wins for them this season before we started. <laughs> yeah, um, true. I was optimistic this would be a comeback year. Definitely still time for that to happen. There is improvements to be made. There's development, but it's not a strong start. So is Lewis Hamilton going to win his eighth title this year? No, I can say that fairly confidently. He says on that Sky Sports interview, the lie detector, he wants to stick around until he wins his eighth title. So if this is this team he is losing confidence in to get him that eighth title, then does he start looking elsewhere? I think he's, I think he's got to consider his options. Are Aston Martin a team who are on a meteoric rise? Seemingly, yes. It's one race. It's it's hard to tell where Aston Martin will end up the rest of this year. I think it's very unlikely, but way more likely than it would have been even three weeks ago. Before That's we fair. saw that Aston Martin on track and be, before we saw how much progress they made from one season to the next under the same regulations, they are serious. You've got to think about them seriously. So... It's more, I'd give that part of the take a two. Replacing Lance Stroll, no, uh, that's not going to happen. No. Maybe, and I'm not of the opinion like most people are that he will never lose his seat because I think Lawrence Stroll is a serious businessman for a reason. And I don't think he's naive to, if you've suddenly got Fernando winning races and getting podiums consistently and Lance is finishing seventh, eighth consistently, he's not going to let that happen for two, three years. Um, But, Firstly, I think Lance will prove himself a bit more this season, but I don't think, you know, I I, I can't see them... 2024 is the main sticking point for me there. I can see Lance being replaced, but I don't think the timing of Lewis leaving Mercedes and Lance leaving Aston Martin will be within the next year. So it's, it's, it's low scorer for me. Yeah, like, it's funny because I was just thinking about this because uh, the bosses at WTF1 have blessed me with having my own monthly column, and this was going to be the subject of that first column. <laughs> um, so thanks, Nareem, for reading my mind, first first and foremost. Yeah, this is a tricky one because there's two different ways to look at this. Number one, would Lawrence ever be prepared to move on from his own son? And I don't think that's happening. I think Lawrence has made the moves that he has made to help facilitate his son and his, and I put a line through his, his son's dream um, of being an F1 driver. And yeah, it helps. Aston Martin has shot up seemingly out of nowhere to start the season. I, I, I agree with Kieran. It is a one race sample size. So we have to be a little bit careful in that regard, but it might be a viable outlet for Hamilton. He's in a contract here. He's in the last year of his contract. He's a free agent at the end of this season. <laughs> the question on my mind is, if Lewis is true, and I've got, I've, I've got no reason to disbelieve him, especially after the lie detector video, that you know he really does want title number eight. That's the last major counting stat in the book that he doesn't own. It might be for the best he moves away from Mercedes. Because if this concept is as bad as what Toto Wolf is saying it is, they're not winning the title this year. They might not win the title next year. If it seems like everybody has been caught out by how much of a gain Rebel has made over the course of the last offseason, and they dominated Bahrain. And I mean dominated. They won that. There were 38 seconds in front of any other car that wasn't one of their own, and it looked like they were holding back in that race as well. So I think there's even more to come from this package. 
if Mercs are that far behind and if they're that far off the pace and if Lewis really does want number eight, I don't see what he gains by signing another extension there. You're kind of hoping that maybe two or three years down the road, maybe even the 2026 regulation change, that Mercs has a big radical reset and they're able to maybe then make the gains to Red Bull and at the front of the field. I think this is quite low scoring. I don't see Aston Martin moving on from Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll is fine in that Aston Martin team. I don't look at him like a like 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 a a, a true weakness. I think he's fine in that setup. And look, you've got Fernando, and he was outstanding first race in. I think Lance will only catch up as his wrists heal. I think that's a fine pairing for the moment. And I don't think there's any reason for Aston Martin to move on from Lance Stroll at the moment. I know a lot of people were very quick until this weekend to dunk on the man and get rid of him. I may have been one of those people. (laughs) Can confirm. Um, Yeah, and I'll make no bones about that. But I don't think... If the car is better and Stroll is bringing it regularly in the top five or six, that's fine. You, you can you can live with that because that's just you're riding the wave of a team that's just improved in general. So I don't think they're going to move on from Lance Stroll super quick. But I will admit, I think it's a more viable outlet for Hamilton in the long run than it is Ferrari or Red Bull itself. If if Hamilton really does want number eight and Hamilton feels like he can't win it with Mercedes, Aston Martin could be a genuinely viable alternative down the road. So with that in mind, I'm thinking two on this one, Kieran. How do you feel about it? I'm also thinking of two, but I also I have my own question to ask you on the back of that. If Lewis Ham- if Lewis Hamilton went to Lawrence Stroll and said, I want to leave Mercedes, I want one more year in Formula One, your car is the one catching up to the Red Bull, give me a year. Do you think Lawrence would consider sidelining Lance for the year, just for that one year, it's contracted, that's all it is. Make him either a reserve driver or put him in another series for a year, maybe IndyCar, something like that. So Aston Martin can be the team who can be provide Lewis Hamilton this eighth championship, or at least give him his final chance at actually fighting for it. It's I'm very much a hypothetical, but I find it an interesting one. It's a great question. Uh, that's a fascinating question. If you're Aston Martin, you probably want Hamilton for more than a year because he brings so much marketing value to the table. He's the biggest name in the sport. He's probably the biggest name the sport has ever had. But say say Lewis is dictating the terms. He's saying one year. Yeah. If Lewis says, strictly speaking, one and done, like there might be a temptation for Lawrence to, to go to Lance and say, look, it's still your seat but Hamilton's making me an offer I can't refuse for a year. I'd say the only way that works is if Lawrence is adamant Aston Martin's got a car that can challenge for the title because anything less than that and this move is not worth it, in my opinion, because what's the point? Like, oh, you've got Lawrence, you've got, you got Lewis Hamilton finishing fifth in the championship instead of Lance Stroll. Well, big deal. No one's here for Lewis Hamilton finishing fifth. We we have, we evaluate him in the context of world titles and wins. Um I think a lot of that boils down to how good they think their car is. If they think their car is good enough to win a title, that could make sense. Mm. If anything less than that, I don't think it's worth it. 
Yeah, you'll get you'll get you'll get some marketing value, and you'll you'll get you'll get some followers, and you'll you'll make a bit of money off that. Having Hamilton drive for you certainly there's some value in that, but I don't think going all in for a win, for a title win, works unless you're sure your car is at least second best and competitive. Mm. And but you would also end up with one of the all time great teams of reuniting Lewis and Fernando oh, yeah. in a title, a, a car that can fight for the title. Oh, that'd be incredible. But that's just my... We can all think about that whilst we sleep tonight. That'd oh, yes. Nice, nice that'll fantasy. be fun. So you're going to as well on that, Kieran? I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. That's, that's that's entirely fair. Take number two from the fantastic username on Twitter of Checkered Wag. I do like that. Um, Checkered Wag says, Carlos Sainz is a midfield driver at best. <laughs> Straight to the point. Carlos Sainz is a midfield driver at best. Now, what do you reckon to that one, Kieran? Um, no, it, it's it's honestly really difficult because I think there's a lot of drivers you can, if you really break it down to logic, you say we've not seen them in a car that can get you consistently top six results. So there's so many drivers you can say, oh, they're just a midfield driver because we've not seen them in a Ferrari, a Mercedes, a Red Bull, or now an Aston Martin. So Latland Stroll is a great example of this. Someone. People would have said last year, firmly midfield, but then he's in this car, finishing sixth. Where, where is the definition of what a midfield driver is? In, in terms of, if we're ranking the drivers sort of 1 to 20, um, I, I disagree with that. I think Carlos is very good. I think, especially at the end of 2021, his consistency was just unbelievable. Um, constantly outperforming the car and doing what was it consistent points for i can't remember how many races in a row it was but he was just he looked so solid and i do i have questions about his last couple of years with ferrari sure i think he is a lot of it isn't down to him some of it was down to mechanical failures some of it was down to strategy some of it was down to george russell but <laughs> i think he is in a bit of a shaky position this year i think he really has to be equaling leclerc on half of the race weekends or getting close to him because there's just times Carlos looks a bit clumsy to me. I think he's a very good driver, but he seems to have lost a segment of that consistency. And of course he's in a team which isn't currently breeding consistency. We we know this. It's it's more of a problem than just him. Yeah. But when you compare him to Max Verstappen, he doesn't belong in the same sentence. No. He doesn't belong in the same paragraph. And I know no one does at the moment. But sure, you could make an argument for Lewis, obviously, in that discussion. Even George, I would push towards that same conversation. Um, but Carlos is just a long way off them. So I guess it depends what what Ferrari's ambitions are. Um, obviously, to win championships, but what do they want for their second driver? Because that is what he is. Like, let's let's face it, even if they don't want to say it. But I, I don't think he's going to go down as one of... Ferrari's all-time greats or the sport's all-time greats. No, so I, I, I'm kind of in the middle on this one, I'd say. What about you? I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think Sainz is the definition of an upper midfielder. He is sort of in that sort of six to eight range where he is probably a little bit better than the average midfielder. And I think he showed that when he was at places like Toro Rosso and McLaren, where he was 
he had some outstanding, consistent seasons in those mach- in those machines. And when he was at McLaren, it was warranted that Ferrari would go after someone like him. I understand why Ferrari wanted to move on from Sebastian Vettel and Carlos Sainz was punching above his weight for a McLaren team that was a bona fide midfielder at that point. So a lot of that move made sense at the time to me. But I think over the last two years, it's become abundantly clear to me that Signs is not on the level that I think he needs to be on if we're talking about race wins and title contention. I, for me, I think there is a big three. I've said it before. I think it's Hamilton, Verstappen and Leclerc. I think those are the three best drivers in F1. I think Norris and Russell are just outside of that. And Signs last year, again, not totally on 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 him, as you said, Kieran. But 62 points off Charles Leclerc is probably a much more accurate reflection of where they are as drivers compared to what it was the year before when Sainz actually did outpoint Leclerc. But I think Leclerc had the lion's share of the bad luck um, in that 2021 season. So it depends on your definition of midfield because I think Sainz is a little bit better than that. But I don't think he is a guy who is good enough to front a big team. I think as a de facto number two in a top team, where he's at right now makes sense. I think that's about his ceiling. And I don't think he's anything more than that. So is that a definition of a midfield driver for your checkered wag? I don't know. Um, So I think he's a little bit better than that. So with that in mind, I kind of want to say three, only given the language it's been used in the take. Because I think... He's in Ferrari because he's proven he's a bit better than a midfielder, but I also don't think he's good enough to be a consistent race winner. I think he's right in that in-between sort of Perez, Norris, um, maybe on the lower end of George Russell sort of scale. I don't think he's in that Verstappen or Hamilton range. Um, How would you score, Rick, here? Yeah, I completely agree. It's three for me because one would suggest he is a thoroughly average driver um, and not giving enough credit, but five would suggest that he is... Um, no, other way around, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Five saying you strongly agree. So. One would suggest future world champion, one of the best there is. Five would suggest he is thoroughly average, um, which neither is neither feels right to me. So three, yeah, three for me. Yeah, I think that's about right. But this one's a lot more subjective. This one's going to be interesting. It's a bit of a different perspective, but I like this one from uh, Marcin Zygmunt, who who's put in the take that says, quote, more cars should be awarded points for the race. More cars should be awarded points for the race. It's a, it's a straightforward take, but with a lot of range for thoughts on this. Want me to take this one first, Kieran? Yeah, go go ahead. Yeah. I think that's the way F1 is going because I remember growing up in a time where it was top six that got points in a field of 20 and sometimes a little bit more than 20. Sometimes it was 22 and it was top six that was getting points. They went to eight in the middle of the 2000s where they went to, I think they went 10, eight, six um, on the points, et cetera. And now we have the modern day system where it's 25, 18, 15 and it's top 10. I wonder if this take is is based off the back of the fact that Aston Martin have made improvements now to the point where the top eight looks like it could be pretty set in stone most weekends. 
And I wonder if that's going to facilitate a bigger gap between the big hitters in points and then the midfielders like the Alfa Romeos, the Williams, the Alfa Tauris. Curious to see where Arpin fits in amongst that as well. Other series generally are more generous. I'm a big MotoGP fan. They go top 15 and their field is normally mid-20s, low-20s in some cases. They've always gone top 15. I know NASCAR, before they went playoffs, were points all the way through the field. IndyCar generally gives everybody points, but again, steeper inclines towards the top to obviously encourage winning. (sighs) This is purely subjective. I think they could easily go to a MotoGP system and go top 15 on points, and I don't think anybody would have too many complaints. It's purely about how you want your series to look. If there is a big disparity between your top four and everybody else, that would actually make more sense. But do you really want to give points for guys for cars finishing 15th? I don't know. Like that's that's purely subjective on how the you perceive the image of the sport, I think, more than anything else. How do you feel about it, Kieran? It's it's honestly not something I've given a huge amount of thought to. Mm. Um but my initial reaction is if you were to award points across the field, obviously not for DNFs, but you suddenly then get a completely realistic look of the season in terms of constructors and drivers. Because obviously you can have like someone like Alex Albon, who if the season carries on like it looks, it will. He, I mean, incredible performance in Bahrain to get in the points. But you can imagine him and maybe even Sargent being consistently around that 11th, 12th place mark. And if you spend the whole season doing that and incredible drives, considering like the car's better than it was, but it's definitely not a world beater. And then to ultimately, you could end up on the same points as someone like, like you know, someone awful like McLaren, potentially. <laughs> a little, little joke there. Um, I, it would be really nice to see the the full season represented because you could have one person who gets a complete shock result. So say, let's say Alpha Tauri or yeah, let's go with Alpha Tauri. Let's say they were rock bottom this whole season, but then there's one crazy race. Someone gets, let's say they win it. Let, let's just go full out hypothetical here. Nick DeVries, when Nick DeVries wins a race, you've then got them maybe above a couple of other teams who have consistently been way better than them all season. And they get paid more money, more rewards for what is a, a fluke or a shock. So there is something very, I'm not suggesting like this is what I want, but I think there is something very interesting in the idea of at the end of the season, you have a fully reflective drivers and constructors, which is an, an order that isn't affected by one-offs and flukes. Um, obviously, it still would be, it could make a difference, but... I don't know. I think I think that's a fascinating idea. So I'm going to be scoring this higher than I maybe thought I would have done before I heard it, because there's the kind of a feeling of oh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But after hearing you and thinking about it myself, I'm sort of like, well, maybe there is some logic in in doing that because, it, like you say, if the top eight are sealed off, then what is the point for these other teams fighting for two places? So yeah, I, I'll give that one a three, Dre. I, I quite like that. I quite like it. You made a very good point that I didn't consider about basically rewarding consistency over... Because what you've basically done is exposed the countback system. 
and mm. and and how that can be a problem. How maybe one big punchy performance can break a tie because points are more valuable the lower you go down the constructors' table because there's less of them on on tape on on you know less of them on mm. offer realistically. So that's a very good point that I didn't consider. That's yeah, like I, I could actually. The more I think about it, the more I think, yeah, you probably do want to reward consistency more over the course of a season as opposed to maybe like what we got in Williams a couple of years ago, like in Belgium when Russell was on the podium that weekend, and that's that's fifteen, what's well, eighteen points that you know Williams would never normally get under normal circumstances. Was, was it half points? It was half points. Yeah, you just, just, point, just right. before yeah. people get really angry at us. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was half points. So yeah, it was nine then, I suppose you could say. Um, off the but back even of, that yeah. can be completely change the constructors completely. Yeah, that might be worth tens of millions of pounds. And I'm not sure that's what you want for a 22 race championship. Maybe if you're going by what NASCAR do now, where it's a playoff format down the stretch, that would make more sense. I've had the one big performance make, you know, make the difference. But in F1, where we've always rewarded consistency in its scoring, maybe going all the way with it and going points all the way down the field or having a cutoff maybe at P15 or like, like MotoGP does, for example, could make a lot of sense. I'm going to go four on this one as opposed I think, to Kieran's I think I'm, I'm feeling a bit more positive about it now. I think yeah. I'll join you if that's yeah. all right. No, no, absolutely. By all means, I, I, there's nothing wrong with changing the mind. Yeah, I think that's a very good point I didn't consider. And yeah, I think that's something that would probably have a better reflection over how an entire season plays out as opposed to maybe one freakish weekend being a huge outlier and that be worth tens of millions of pounds. I'm, I'm not sure that's what you want to advertise for your sports personally. But it, again, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, send me a tweet at Dre underscore WTF1. I'm fascinated. I love having these sorts of discussions on, on social media. So feel free to send them in because I'm very curious about how people would feel about that. Um, Great take, Marcy. We're going back to the stroll then on this one from yes. Alan Lloyd, who says Lance Stroll wins a race this year. Lewis Hamilton does not win a race this year. <laughs> oh God! So we're, we're keeping to the stroll and Hamilton theme here from Alan. And says, yeah, Lance Stroll wins a race. Lewis Hamilton does not win a race. How do you feel about that one, Kieran? <laughs> Look, it's it's very difficult for me as Lance Stroll's biggest fan to approach these things from a sort of unbiased perspective. But mm. I guess no one wants unbiased from us today. That's not no. why you listen to this. No. Um, oh, it's at the moment, and I can't believe I'm saying this. If you'd have told me this three months ago that I would say this genuinely, um, I would pinch myself. I think that's more. I, I agree. I agree. Mercedes, we saw the Mercedes last year and the struggles with it, and yeah, it got way more competitive during the end of the, towards the end of the season. But what you've got to factor in now is that Aston Martin as well. This isn't just bridging the gap to Red Bull. This is bridging the gap past Ferrari, past Aston Martin. Obviously, just clarify off one race sample size again. But there's an extra car in there. There's an extra two drivers competing with you. I I. I, look, I would never, I never want to doubt Hamilton because we know he is one of the best who's ever done it. Let's not get into that debate fully, but nothing at the moment discredits how good a driver he is. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to tell where his form is at. We we don't really know how well he is performing. But that Aston Martin, if it carries on like this, if the trajectory of the season like continues as it started. You can see that Aston Martin causing problems consistently through a season. And 
Sure. If the take was Fernando uh, is to win a race, Lewis isn't, I would full on say five straight away. Because in terms of likelihood, I can see Fernando winning a race. Mercedes filling me with no confidence at the moment. Lance is, he is an unknown quantity at the moment. I know we've had him in a sport for a long time, but we've not really seen him in this position. And it's all about how his recovery goes, how much speed he picks up after that recovery and the healing. If that's adding half a second onto his time, then he's catching up. Well, sorry, if that's taking away half a second, then he's he's on level with Fernando. But I don't expect it to be quite that um, difference. But as it is, I'm going to have to fairly strongly agree, I think, which is ridiculous. I feel dirty saying it. I honestly feel weird having said that. So please bring me back down to earth, Dre, with a completely opposite take. I may have to disappoint you on this one because... <laughs> uh, and please me as well. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I'm kind of deeply conflicted on this one because you're right on in many ways, I feel... Lance Stroll is an unknown quantity. We just don't know how fast he is because he, he he drove that Bahrain race when he wasn't at 100%. And it's hard to get a read on where he is in comparison to Fernando, who, by all accounts, did a fantastic job. The Aston Martin, on paper, might be the second best car in the field now. we Again, we need a more of a sample size before we really say that with certainty. But Alonso drove away from Carlos Sainz towards the end of that race. And Sainz was under all sorts of pressure from Hamilton at the end, and Sainz was able to hold him off. And that's the other end of the coin for me. Mercedes just looks outright slow. That's mm. their biggest problem. I just don't think they have ultimate pace. Hamilton struggled in this race. And like I said, he tried to get past Carlos Sainz, couldn't, and then burnt his tyres out trying. And Sainz was able to hold him off towards the end of the race. The car just looks slow. It doesn't look like Merckx has got the car to win a Grand Prix this year. That looks alarming. Again, strong asterisks here. We're going off one race. But Mercedes being fourth in the field right now, I don't think is an unreasonable take. So with that in mind, if Stroll is close to Fernando and we get a funky race, a Red Bull maybe gets tagged on the opening lap, uh, a bad start or something like that, or there's contact or an incident somewhere, and that puts Aston Martin at the front of the queue. Lance Stroll winning a race is not unfathomable. We saw it in Turkey a couple of years ago. He is good enough to contend at the front of the field if the car is strong, and the car looks strong. So I don't think this is completely unreasonable, especially because... I agree. I don't think Hamilton is winning a race this year. The question is, will Red Bull give them an opportunity to win one? So that's where I'm a sort of held back on this take a little bit. I'm going to say three. I'm down the middle on this one. I, I agree. I don't think Hamilton wins a race. I think Stroll might fluke one somewhere if Red Bull has a weaker day. If Again, it could be a reliability issue, could be contact on track. There's a thousand ways to lose a Grand Prix. Um, so I think there is a good chance that, that Stroll might sneak one in somewhere because I think Aston Martin are in the driver's seat to be the poachers if something happens. So are you going four or five on this one, Kieran? Because I know what you're like. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm going to be realistic and say four. <laughs> that that's my realist but that's that's what this whole this whole Bahrain Grand Prix has done to me. 
I'm just swimming in positivity, which is something I'm a look. I'm a pessimistic person. I feel good about this. Sure. So I'm going to ride the wave. I'll go for. But I think it's more unlike. It's more likely neither win a race this year. But I, I had also, I have also said that I do get a tattoo of Lance Stroll's face if he does win a race. So, um, oh lord, yeah, um, yeah. Did when, when did you admit that? Oh, I, it was for a TikTok. The things you do on social media. Um, but let's go on to the next hot take because I don't want to think about that possibility. Yeah. This is why I'm not on TikTok, kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. probably for the best, and <laughs> especially for my skin. Um, <laughs> will RM54 asks, and also should say says really, Audi will already be championship contenders in their debut season in 2026. So Audi walk into the sport as immediate contenders their first year as a fully-fledged team, 2026. Ooh, I don't know how I feel about this one. I feel like, if you don't mind me taking this one first. Not at all. Um, Alfa Romeo are a long way off at the moment. Like, I think they've got an okay car. I think they've got an okay midfielder. The way they develop worries me especially over the course of a full season because they struggled a lot the back half of last year they would have to make huge gains to realistically start winning races and i don't think three years is going to be a big enough turnaround i know audi are already starting to have an influence they've already bought a minority stake i'm sure that will only increase in time I don't feel like they're going to make a sudden leap up to the point where they're immediately challenging for wins when the new regulations drop, unless Audi has an absolute bullet of a power unit, which, again, not completely unthinkable because that's what Merckx did in 2014. But I'd be shocked if they're that much stronger than the field that they're going to start winning races immediately. So I'm I'm on I'm on the lower end here already. How do you feel about it, Kieran? Yeah, I I don't have a huge amount to say because obviously the fun of this whole concept is um, this podcast is it's all hypotheticals and that is fun. But there's so many hypotheticals at play here that it's so hard to do anything other than a one or a two on this for me because yeah, if you're looking at the position Alpha are in, I I potentially think they're taking a different development approach this season and I hope they are because. If they are, they've started in a fairly strong place, uh, considering where you would expect them to be. If that improves and they can get better and higher up the field, then I would be more willing to look more favorably at this. Um, and yeah, you've got reg changes as well. So I guess, any, look, anything is possible in Formula One. I just don't think anything at the moment is that encouraging uh, to, well, encouraging enough to make me think that would happen. Because I think you've got Red Bull. Look, anyone could be dethroned by reg changes. We know this. Uh, Red Bull have experienced it themselves. But it's not going to be quite as major. And it's hard to look past any team that's got Adrian Newey involved. Um, and then Aston Martin seem like a team who've got the funds, got the finances. I know we're within cost cap, but they've got the drive and determination to make this thing happen at a pace we very rarely see. So, and Ferrari, a team who are definitely on the up from where they have been, but still not quite there. I think by the time we get to 2026, it'll be an entirely different Formula One landscape, but it's very hard for me to imagine that strong an entry. I think it's more likely to be what we've seen from Aston, actually. The taking over of Racing Point 
And then within a few years, they've made remarkable leaps, but you can't just do that overnight. So no. I, I, that's this one's a, a two for me, not a one simply because anything can happen. And I like to keep the dream alive. But yeah, no, two from me. I'd say two. There is a chance they could jump the shark on power units. We've seen it done before. And Audi are an incredible factory. I mean, anyone who's seen their sports car record is is off the charts. They we know the, how good they can be. Uh, but to make a to make that bigger jump that that quickly, I can't I can't quite get there on that one. So I'm going to say two on that one as well. A question of dominance next up from John L2015 on Twitter, who says Verstappen will overtake Vettel for total race wins this season. Now, I did the maths for you, Kieran, so you don't have to. Max Verstappen has got 36 wins at the moment after his win in Bahrain. Sebastian Vettel has... Do you know how many wins he has for his career? Uh, It's 50s, isn't it? 53. 53, okay. 53. So... If you're saying, John, that Verstappen overtakes Vettel for race wins this season, which is 18. what the tape says, you need you're saying Verstappen is gonna win 18 races or more this year. Doesn't sound quite as ridiculous as it should. No. I don't think. Um <laughs> a driver clearly at the top of his game, at the top of the sport by a long way, in the car that's at the top of its game, a long way at the top of the sport. I don't think Checo will be bothering him. Maybe the odd, the odd um, outperformance by Checo, but ah, that I mean, it doesn't feel wrong. Me thinking Verstappen winning eighteen races out of twenty-three. It, it, I, I wish it wasn't the case. I, w- I honestly wish I could say there's not a chance in hell that's going to happen. Right, because then we've got this more exciting season. We've got multiple winners. It's everything just seems more fun. But the reality of it is. It's very much achievable. And Verstappen just looks like someone who is trying to achieve more and more each year. He wants more and more and has the talent to back that up and the car. So that's maybe more likely than theoretically it should be. But what do you reckon? Well, I've been the Debbie Downer when it comes to preseason predictions all the way through February and March. I've always been the one who's tried to keep his feet on the ground and said, yeah, Red Bull probably dominates again this year. Even I have to acknowledge, I didn't think it was going to be this level of dominance. I, I, I fully agree with you, Kieran. I I don't want to agree with this because <laughs> I I didn't think this was going to happen. But at the same time, if Verstappen is this good, which I believe he is this good, and the Red Bull RB18, which looks like it could be one of the greats in terms of cars made, if they keep this form going... And they're able to sh- to the only thing that stopped me from agreeing with this is that do they shut off their development early like they did last year because they they stopped developing the RB of last year after the summer break and the field I think did catch up a little bit towards the end of the season but by that point it might already be too late I think Verstappen is clearly better than Perez Perez might I think might scrape one or two like he did last year where he got two at, at uh, Monaco in Singapore but. If Red Bull has a clean uh, has a clean weekend, Verstappen will probably win. That I'm I'm pretty confident on that now. The question is, uh, is the door going to be left open to things like reliability, development gains? I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm, I think I'm going to go four on this one, John. I actually agree with you. I think Max 
I think Max has got a good chance of winning more than the 15 he won last year. I mean, he won 15 last year, and I think Red Bull is even stronger than they were last season. And if that's the case, cancel Christmas. Go home. It's over. Um, so, yeah, how do you feel about it, Kieran? I, well, I feel bad because I think we've agreed on everything so far. I know. Like, Rating-wise, but I kind of I feel exactly the same. If, if it was equal, Vettel, I'd go solid five. Like 17 wins. Yeah, I can see. No, so, yeah, so, 17? Yeah, 17 would equal. I could entirely see that happening. I don't think that's uh, like, because if you think last year, they started off with reliability issues, mm. which sort of messed around two of the races he probably could have won. So, yeah, I'll go four. I'll go four on 18 wins, but five on 17. That's my own personal addition. Yeah, like every win you add is like exponentially harder because it, it means your margin of error is so much smaller. So I, I do understand where you're coming from on that one. Yeah. Uh, my brother had a had a bet where I'm um, saying that Red Bull would get 14 double podiums at, for the year, and he got 20 to one odds on that before Bahrain. And I'm like, he's he's sitting there looking very confident yeah. at the moment. <laughs> I don't blame him because that's, that's like over 500 quid if it lands because, yeah, I I don't think anybody, not even the bookies that were normally very good at these sorts of things, uh, saw this coming about how much they would dominate Bahrain, which is alarming to say the least. Okay, last take of the episode. It's from Daniel Box who says, and this is an interesting one, Haas is not making the progress it needs and Gunther Steiner won't make it past the end of the season. Brackets, hope this doesn't happen, have gunned for Haas for a long time. Uh, so we've got a Haas fan in the house. Um, good for them. Um, I don't think I've ever met one in the flesh. <laughs> I don't know. I've not, I've, not, I've not met many of them myself. I, mean, I didn't know Haas had fans out there. Maybe it's a Gunther thing. Well, you'd um, think they'd be the they'd get the American fan base on board, but that very much has not happened how they might have wished. Because <laughs> they're not really an American team. Well, I mean, no. I, I've asked people about this on social media because I'm always curious because obviously the Andretti rumors have been flying around for a good few months now. And people are like, well, Andretti's a proper American team and Haas, I mean, they're based in, in Banbury and there's a lot of British influence in that, in that Haas team. And, you know, team boss is Italian. It, it goes on. I don't, I, I, they don't get down like an American team as that was what I've been told by Americans, which I think is an understandable perspective. Oh, sorry. I, I will just say, by the way, I, I misspoke. I meant Haas have loads of fans and thank you to our friends at MoneyGram. Friends <laughs> exactly. <of> friends <laughs> <of the day. laughs> um, I Look, I I always think Gunter, if you watch Drive to Survive, which I know, I know you haven't in recent years, Dre, but it always seems like Gunter is on a short string with Gene Haas. It always feels like a couple more bad results and that's kind of it. Like Gene Haas doesn't seem like someone who takes prisoners lightly. Um, I think the assumption that Haas is not making the progress it needs is a little unfair at the moment. I I know we've said a lot of things. We made big calls in this episode based on one race. Um, I feel like we don't really know where Haas are at because we had Hawkenberg put in a pretty solid shift all weekend to then, you know, have that damage and see himself fall down the order. Magnussen just looked off the pace. It just didn't look strong or convincing, but... I don't expect that to last, but equally, and if we're talking in terms of the progress they have made overall since they joined the sport, I think it's really difficult because this is pre-cost cap. I think a team coming in now, if a new team was coming like Andretti, say 2025, 2026, 
they have a much easier field to come into because everyone's spending the same money. You're limited. And Hass have only just reached sponsorships, thanks to our friends at MoneyGram, to get them to get them to that cost cap limit. And it's almost like this feels like day one because they've not been able to make the progress teams can make now because they've been so far behind the pack. And I think, you know, it, I, I'm they've done well to survive as long as they have and now hopefully can reap the rewards of that because if there was any point where they would have to fold or... Uh, Steiner would have gone. It would have happened by now, I believe. I think they are a team on the up, but it is difficult when everyone else is kind of a team on the up as well. Like Williams caught me off guard personally. They look much better than I expected. And it looks like a tighter field, way tighter field than people would have imagined sort of lower down. Um, So I don't I don't know what Hassa happy with. If Like Aston Martin always had the ambition of, yeah, we're going to win a world championship. Now, I, I maybe don't think that's completely realistic, but they've put a lot of things in place to make it happen. And Hash just don't have that that kind of resource. So I I can't see Gunter going because he is a he's a great marketer. He's great marketing for the team. Like if you think Hass, who do you think? You think Gunter Steiner. And when you're a team sort of lower down the field, that sort of thing matters. Um so like Williams have their history as one of the greats of the sport, but in the last few years, even that starts to wane. So I honestly don't know. I'm going to listen to what you say and then take, in, t- take into account your factors so I'll give the same score again. <laughs> yeah, we're going to lean on each other on this one. Yeah, I mean, I've not watched DTS since season four, so I can't say with 100% certainty how... Like, you know more than me about the Gene Haskin-Fasteiner relationship besides phone calls and memes and phone cases you can buy on our shop.wtf.com. They're lovely. Really lovely. lovely. But, uh, yeah, looking at it purely from a performance point of view, there is reason to be optimistic. They are able to spend to the cost cap for the first time. That's what Gunther said this season. So there's reason to be optimistic. On the other side of the coin, the going youth experiment failed. There is no getting around that. I know a part of me feels like they kind of had to take the Nikita Mazepin deal. You know, to keep the you know, to keep the doors open, and obviously that didn't that that became untenable due to, well, you can probably guess what what that's due mm-hmm. to, and Mick Schumacher. Well, again, we know how Gunther felt about that one. Clearly, felt like the crash damage was too much to keep him around. That he wanted two more solid, experienced drivers instead. That experiment did not work. I'm surprised Gunther doesn't get criticised more given where his team is at i mean they 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 were they were a stronger team relative to the field shall we say 3 or 4 years ago when they were in the midfield battling teams like renault and and mclaren for midfield spots now they're more like a backmarker team even though they started strong, for example, at the start of last year, they completely fell off the wagon by the end of the season and they were back down towards the tail end of the field. Is that enough for Haas? I mean, it sounds to me like it isn't because I've seen Gunther interviews and, and they get, they're not here to finish in eighth or ninth. Clearly not. I'm not sure how long Gunther's leash is if this keeps up. That's what worries me about it. And... 
Gene Haas has got a lot of money. He's got a, he's he's he makes a lot of money. He's he's got a lot of investments in other places like NASCAR. I don't think the plan was spending 135, 140 million pounds a year to finish in eighth or ninth. Like that's a big investment and that's a lot of lost money you're not getting back. So I don't know how much of an influence Gunther has on that though. And like you said, Kieran, he's clearly marketable as a personality because a lot of people like Gunther because of DTS. And you're right that uh, for a smaller team that that probably does matter a little bit. Um, oh, this is a hard one for me. I don't think he'll be sacked mid-season. I think getting rid of team principles mid-season doesn't happen very often in general. And I don't think there's enough smoke around Gunther's position and where Hass are at as a team to warrant getting rid of him. So I would say at the moment, I'm leaving... What's it, what's it take past the end of the season? Okay, so end of season. Okay, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So this is that's a, the sort of thing that it could affect, it could affect scores, Dre. It could it, affect it could, scores. It could. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't think so. I um, I think I think it'll be two. I'm going to go two on this one. I I feel like I don't think they're going to sack him. I don't. I think Hass are a bit too content at where they're at right now for for, for me to think. Oh, a new team boss would fix this problem. That's where I'm at. Well, I I thought you were going to go higher, and I was I was glad because I was like, people have accused me of just sort of taking the same opinions as people i don't know where that comes from because they've obviously not listened to most of our episodes but it seems like is this a full no we had one disagreement didn't we on aston yes. martin okay that's fine i'll go two then i i feel the same <laughs> i think if he was gonna have gone by now it would have happened i think I agree. in the last two years i think there would have been plenty more chance to say or plenty more reason to say maybe he's not the right man for this job and there still could be but there's a long way to go this season, so I, I can't ask me again by the end of the year, and I'll probably give you a very different answer. But yeah, two for me. I I I, I agree with you for the most part. I I I don't think there's an obvious candidate that will come in and will immediately make Haas better. And I'm not the biggest Gunther fan myself. I think he, he avoids a lot of criticism for how he's handled Haas in general. And I think for that reason alone, he'll probably stick around for a bit longer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that actually helps him in this case. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one too as well. That'll do it for Hot Takes Wednesday. That's all our takes for this week. Um, keep sending them in. A great selection, if I do say so myself this week. I have some very intriguing stuff. Uh, so please do keep sending them in. Well done, Hannah. Well, well done, Hannah. So, yeah, that'll do it for this week's Hot Takes Wednesday. Keep sending them in. We'll be back next week for another edition. And until then, I've been Dre. He's been Kieran, and uh, thank you very much for listening. Take care. Bye.